saving for a rainy day Let's beat the storm and be on our way That's right. The Eagles are starting over with a new head coach, hoping that he's their four-leaf clover. Welcome in, everybody, to another episode of On a Couch in Delco. I'm Tom, and with me, as always, my co-host, Mike. Yeah, what's up, everybody out there? And definitely not the first time that we'll be rolling the dice with a, uh, a brand-new head coach here in Philadelphia, is it, Tom? No, uh, certainly. It's a uh, Kind of reminds you of the hires that Jeff Lurie has done in the past with Andy Reid and, and Doug Peterson, kind of these unknowns. And especially uh, if you think about the extensive search that the Eagles have done, they've, they've, they've blanketed the canvas, cover, covered a lot of ground in the search. And, you know, there were some big names. I think uh, we were about ready to, to record a podcast episode where Josh McDaniels almost seemed like the guy uh, that was going to be the yep. coach, but it's not. At least we think for now, it's uh, Coach Nick Sirianni, offensive coordinator for the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, at least we say we think at this point because uh, this is reported by, uh, you know, kind of the bigs in, in football media, Adam Schefter, uh, Ian Rappaport. But so far, it's been mums the word from the Eagles themselves. You haven't seen anything on the Eagles official Twitter account. You haven't seen anything from – uh, Dave Spadaro even just kind of lining up, you know, I had friends ask me, Hey, when's the press conference? Cause I think we want to know a little bit more about Sirianni. Nothing, nothing yet. It, it's been silent. Mike, what's your take on kind of the silence from the Eagles? I know I threw it out there on social media. It kind of seems a little questionable. What, what, what's your thoughts? Yeah. I know you were saying something about maybe he's on vacation or just not, not able to, to come in for a press conference right away or, something like that but if you hired the guy I mean what, what's the harm in saying something on social media or putting out a, an official press release on your website that Nick Sirianni is the next head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles and whatever else all those mumbo jumbo things they put in there but yeah, to me at this point it's it's a little odd um, usually I mean, Dan Campbell was hired and that, that was a, that was a report. And literally two, three, four hours later, the Lions came out and said, yeah, we hired Dan Campbell. Um, but the Eagles haven't done that, but. Just in I enough mean, time for Dan Campbell to come out <laughs> and, and break three kneecaps, I think on an imposing player. If you heard yeah. his, uh, his opening press conference with the Lions media. He's an animal, huh? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> We're going to be just like this city and this and that. And holy God, but yeah. We're killing people, I guess. That's, that's what we're if that's what it takes to win, that's what we'll do. Yeah. Was, that was a very intense press conference. Uh, Nick, Nick Sirianni might be uh, might be like that. If you look at the memes on uh, on social media, they're actually very very entertaining. Yeah, definitely the Sirianni with the Sopranos logo. I've seen that out yeah. there, and you know, definitely a member of the. I think he's the first Italian American to be head coach of the. The Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, we brought up the vacation thing. So I guess the story came out that uh, he was on vacation with his family and the entire interview was done through Zoom, uh, but didn't have any formal clothes. 
I want to use on vacation. So Jeffrey Laurie and the entire Eagles operation, they wore casual clothes in the Zoom interview with uh, Nick Sirianni. I'm not sure what the rush was then, if this guy was on vacation and not really interviewing to, to make this such a, a quick hire, unless he totally blew them away in the interview, which, I mean, that could very well be the case. But I know there's talk of, you know, they didn't really interview uh, Brian Dobble from the Bills. They didn't interview Eric Bieniemy from the Chiefs. It's sounding like maybe both of those guys turned uh, the Eagles down, perhaps. Um, I know Dabble did. Um, I, I think with Eric uh, Bieniemy, I think his past is really uh, biting him in the ass. Um, I mean, the guy has a controversies section on his Wikipedia page. Yeah, I feel bad for him because I think he's a great. I think he's not not a great head coach. I think he's a is a probably probably has the potential to be a great head coach. I mean, players respect him and all that stuff. But uh, some some of these football teams, when they start digging in the past, they they don't want they don't want what happened with Kareem Hunt and they don't want what happened with Tyreek Hill and it's just not not the publicity that a NFL team needs with their head coach. So. I really do think that's uh, <clears throat> that's biting um, the enemy in the uh, in the ass right there, Tom. Yeah, I, I also think that there's there's some rumblings that maybe he already has the Houston job uh, locked up. He did do the Zoom interview with them, and that they are close on a deal with Eric Bieniemy. Andy Reid came out and, and said some some quotes yesterday where you know his only wish is that uh, if Eric Bieniemy is a head coach and he kind of felt that he was going to be a head coach, that it wasn't in the AFC. So almost <laughs> alluding to the fact that, uh, you know, Andy Reid might have to run into, to be enemy, uh, more so than if he was just an NFC opponent. So maybe yeah. I know they interviewed and this isn't a Texans podcast. We're on a couch in Delco here, but, uh, maybe that's something you hear after the chiefs are eliminated from the playoffs, which I think happens this weekend. Um, but maybe you'll see uh, some some news about Eric Bieniemy to the Texans. But this is about Nick Sirianni. So I know Mike, you have it queued up. We'll we'll hear a little bit of Nick Sirianni mic'd up with his time with the Colts, the offensive coordinator, and then let's just talk about what we think uh, after we go through the mic'd up session. Let's talk about what we think uh, Nick Sirianni brings to this Eagles team. What's up, Glow? I'm mic'd up. See, they're taping us right now. Catch it. Catch it. I'll give you a hundred bucks. All right, Jonathan. Whoop! This is the one you fumbled last year. One, two. There you go. We got to own this route right here. Little, you can get a little bit more. Now, you'll feel it when somebody's on you if you can't. But you can get a little bit more there because that's a... We're trying to get this to you, catch and go. Harris, at some point, get vertical. I got the GoPro and everything. Good. I go over top, you back shoulder. With the GoPro? With the, go you got me with the GoPro? I like this at the top, because it's like I, it's like when you were in high school with people and you just do that and they would flinch. That's what it feels like as a receiver. You didn't flinch when I, hit, when I went to hit you. Why not, you're not scared of me? What is your best attribute? Yeah, huh? Yeah, then after you catch the ball, you're a beast with the ball. But you gotta practice that. You gotta catch, and everything, you gotta catch and burst. Catch and burst so you get in that habit. Dig, go off the ball, dig off the football. Chad, flip your feet. Good call, Jacoby. Great. That's what we did. 
such a fun like it, it just seems like a the coach or like like the, my favorite part of the whole thing is when he's telling the the one offensive assistant coach to catch the bird and he'll give him yeah. 100 bucks that was that was great the other one catch him uh, burst you got me with the gopro you got me with the gopro man he just he seems like a fun dude like he seems like a the, uh, the kind of coach where players are going to like him and um he's a younger coach so obviously he has more energy i mean he's he's playing defensive back um for for his wide receivers out there um when he's saying he got me with the gopro and everything um but yeah it's to me it 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 seems like um a good hire Uh, he feels like the kind of coach that like next time around he was going to be that hot name like he was going to be the guy that like now now he's definitely ready to be a head coach and I, I mean, I hate to give Howie Roseman and Jeff Lurie props, but really I'm going to give Jeff uh, Jeff Lurie props because I, I think he's the one that's ultimately making these decisions. Um, I, I think they may have got the right guy, but maybe a year too soon. So we shall see how that works maybe. Yeah, and I think maybe a year too soon, give him a year to kind of learn because I, I, I don't have very high expectations for the Philadelphia Eagles at all. Uh, for next season, you're going to have to, you know, make some serious cuts to this roster to get uh, into the salary cap. There's only so much can kicking I think you can do. You're going to, I think you're going to see a a pretty different team uh, for the Eagles next year. Than they've already started saw. doing that too, Tom. Yeah, they, they redid Alshon's contract already, and they redid someone else's contract. Malik Jackson's. Yep, yeah, both Malik with the intention of post June one cuts, they, you know, they're the two guys that will not be on this team. So I know there was talk about, Hey, a lot of, you know, players and former players are are really advocating for Deuce. And there's concerns about uh, the locker room that Deuce didn't get this job, even though he was a player favorite. I don't think a lot of those same players, I think you're going to see a lot of churn on this team and you will see it be Nick Sirianni's team uh, going into this season, but I think there'll be a learning curve. Uh, But Remains to be seen. I mean, we saw some impressive things out of Andy, you know, even in that 1999 season, they went five and 11, but you saw some promise uh, with that team, the way they played. Uh, and you saw the same thing with, with Doug Peterson. Where, and Chip you know, Kelly. Well, Chip Kelly, I mean, came right out of the bat. I think that was a, you know, a, a decent team that just For went half through. a game looked like world beaters. Out there. <laughs> <laughs> Never seen the live up to the hype after that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, I like it. So b- before we really get like balls deep in talking about Nick Sirianni, could the pause? I literally was thinking about this as as we were listening to uh, to the mic'd up session. Could the the pause in the Eagles, um, like they're they're waiting and and putting out the 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 word that Nick Sirianni's the guy and all that. Could they be in a similar situation they were in when Chip Kelly said no? Um, and then a couple of days later came back and said, you know what? Maybe I will give it a shot in the NFL with Lincoln Riley. Cause he's reportedly said no. Um, I guess last, last Wednesday, I, I believe it was. Uh, maybe Lincoln Riley seen the whole Nick Sirianni thing. And it's like, ah, maybe I'll come be the head coach. Maybe, maybe I think I want to try the NFL. And now the Eagles are like, shit, 
Now what the hell do we do? Because he's our first choice, Lincoln Riley. And now he's coming back to us and saying, yeah, maybe I will give the NFL a shot. I mean, it's, it's certainly a possibility, and, and it's something we did. this team has seen just a few years ago with, with Chip Kelly. My whole thing on that, though, if you're Lincoln Riley, do you really want to sign up for what I think is going to be a pretty painful rebuild next season, maybe even two seasons, where when Lincoln Riley decides, who's very well paid at Oklahoma, yeah. uh, when he decides that he wants to come out, you know, he's going to have his, his choice of jobs. So Mike McCarthy's down in Dallas. I don't see that lasting really long, right? I, Mike McCarthy won two years, Max, especially if this team, you know, if this Cowboys team doesn't make uh, the playoffs. Do you see Lincoln Riley kind of holding out for that Cowboys position? They also have Kellen Moore there that may be uh, in the wings too. So maybe that goes against it, but. You know, there will be other jobs that open up in the next couple of years that maybe offer a little bit more than what your Eagles situation is uh, right now. The Eagles were in the situation where a lot of the bad teams that uh, needed coaches were also came out this year. You know, the Jets, uh, you know, the Texans are, 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 are bad. The Chargers have been his to Jacksonville. You know, these are teams that are that are typically drafting at the top end of the draft, you know, Detroit Lions. We talked about them earlier. You know, so a lot of a lot of those coaches for those bad teams are going to, you know, get a couple years. So that means that the coaching carousel the next couple of years is is probably going to be some teams that are just looking to go to that next step, right? So maybe they are a a early playoff team and they want to get, you know, to the the championship round, Super Bowl, or maybe they are a team that's used to being in the playoffs but have missed the last couple of years. That's where I think. Lincoln Riley could end up being more successful in his NFL start. I think that's where the Eagles were back in 2016 when Chip <clears throat> came in. They were that team that maybe had that down year, but has shown the trajectory of, of being that playoff team and that contender. I don't know if this Eagles team is that anymore. No, I don't think it's even close to being that. Um There's a lot that has, like you said, there's a lot that has to happen to get back to that point. Um, maybe a young coach like Nick Sirianni is all right with being beat up for two years. And then once those two years are out and all the cap space is back and then he can build his team. But it just seems it's a very weird situation with the Eagles. I mean, their, their whole we're used to, to being the, the, the new norm and the, the, the gold standard and this and that. And really the new norm turned out to be nothing. And the gold standards more like the, the shit standard now. Um, but, but that's, to me, that's all Howie Roseman. Um, I, I think if Howie Roseman wasn't here, Doug Peterson would still be here. Um, Carson Wentz would probably, um, probably not have a contract extension. Um, but, but I have my thoughts on what's going to happen with Carson Wentz if Nick Sirianni does turn out to be the guy. But there's a lot of variables that go into this Eagles head coaching position. We, we talked about it at length. Um, what was it the last last uh, last podcast or the podcast yep. before when Doug Peterson got uh, got fired? It's just uh, it's sad to see. Um, but it really does remind me of when Chip Kelly left. I mean, th this this team was broken when Chip Kelly um, uh, took over player personnel unsuccessfully and sent Howie Roseman to the uh, 
to the uh, janitor closet down down the hallway to to fiddle around with uh, with how to pay the employees and stuff like that. But um, it really does remind me of that switchover. I mean that that team had some had some good pieces, obviously. Uh, it had it had an Elaine Johnson, uh, it had a it had a Kelsey, it had an Ertz. Um, so it was a it was a good shell. But but now this team is just that a shell. I, I don't know where the good pieces actually are. So it's, well, it's uh, it's it's those same pieces. They're now just old, eight years older, right? Yeah. It, you know, you still have Earth. You still have they they haven't really been able to bring in that those fresh set of players and, and the players that they have brought in. You know, they're younger. Miles Sanders, TB. You know, probably the best of the bunch. Yeah. Uh, but I, I still think a guy that needs to improve. Uh, JJ Arcega Whiteside, not that guy. Right, no. Jalen Rager, TBD. Who who knows what you what you have in, in Jalen Rager? I'm scared so, with J uh, Jal Tom. What's that? I'm scared about J Jal when he leaves. Did you see what Nelson Aguilar did this year? Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I'm <laughs> I'm shaking in my boots for when J Jal leaves. I might have to draft him in fantasy next year <laughs> when he's playing for the Dolphins or whoever. And maybe that's the thing. So Nick Sirianni, we talked about what he's going to do for this offense. He he has experience coaching quarterbacks. He has experience coaching wide receivers, right? Yep. He is kind of that passing game uh, uh, guru uh, yep. that I think the Eagles always had their eyes set on it as part of their, as part of their coaching search. So maybe he is able to get something more out of uh, Jay Jall and, and Jalen Rager. I, I do think, Carson Wentz is going to be different under Sirianni. Uh, Eagles ranked like 30th in the NFL at getting the ball out of the quarterback's hand. Um, the the Colts were top five, if not first, in that. Uh, and that that's when that's when Carson Wentz thrived. He thrived on getting the ball out. Obviously, he did do those crazy scrambles and and extended the play long enough to to throw a beautiful pass and and then maybe get a score out of it. Um, but when Carson Wentz was at his best is when he was getting the ball out quick, not having to think, not, not that, that, not, not that not thinking is good for, for Wentz, but it's good in general for, for quarterbacks. If you, if you get the ball out quick and you, your hot route is, is, is the, the, the way to go, you, you, you can just react and, and not, not think per se. You, you can just react to what's happening out there on the defense. But I really, really do think um, by week four, I, I don't know who I texted it to. It was either you, um, Joe, or Matt. I, I, I don't know who the hell I texted it to. But I'm like, by week four, all the Carson Wentz haters are going to be buying Carson Wentz jerseys again because he's going to look like his former self. Um, and that could be a good thing for the Eagles. That could also be a detrimental thing to the Eagles with the cap space. Um, so we'll have to take the good with the bad and the bad with the good this year. But um, it, well, certainly, certainly if you guy. have if you have Carson <clears throat> Wentz playing at 2017 level, Carson Wentz, mm-hmm. the contract isn't that big of a problem. Right. Mm-hmm. If you think about it, he, he's a lower average annual value than Dak Prescott and some other contracts that were signed after his. So I don't think. The contract is that terrible of a problem. You have to get younger around him now. You're at that phase that the Seahawks were. The Seahawks were so successful when they had Russell Wilson on 
you know, the entry level contract and they were able to build a stud team around them. What they failed to show is now that Russell Wilson has that top contract, how you fill in the younger, your strategy changes. Mm -hmm. If Carson Wentz is able to get back to 2017 Carson Wentz, and I'll get into a moment why I think maybe that's a possibility and why maybe the Nick Sirianni hire makes a ton of sense. If he's able to get back to that 2017 level, that contract's not that bad. No. Uh, it's certainly more palatable and certainly, you know, it's lower than Jared Goff. So Carson Wentz 2017 is certainly better than what you're getting out of Jared Goff right now with the, you know, the, the offensive mastermind that is Sean uh, McVay. And he was benched for who? I know he was hurt, but he was able to play and they said, nah, we'll stick with this number nine fellow. What was his name? Uh, I have no idea. That's why. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like he's just not he's obviously not as good as as that number nine fella that got, yeah. and he wanted to come in the game and played if he didn't get knocked out i can't even remember his damn name yeah so, seattle uh, seattle continued their tradition of knocking starting quarterbacks out of playoff games and but this time they lost so yeah there's that but here's why i think maybe what won jeffrey lurie over and the eagles brass over and you know what really sealed the deal for Nick Sirianni. I think there was a lot of talk out there that the Eagles wanted somebody, their preference was to get somebody that could help build back Carson Wentz, get Carson Wentz playing to the level that he was in 2017. Howie Roseman has come out and said, he's like a finger. It, it you don't imagine being able to lose him. So I, there's a lot of talk out there and, and coaches that were more focused on, hey, starting over with their own quarterback or starting over with Jalen Hurts, they didn't put a lot of emphasis on. And they're saying that's the reason why certain coaches uh, weren't selected. But here's why I think Nick Sirianni, part of his Zoom interview with Jeffrey, is probably why he won the deal. If you go back through Nick Sirianni's uh, coaching history, started, you know, going back to the Chargers, I think it was 2013, he was a quality control now lower down, but still he's the one breaking down tape. He's the one, you know, kind of feeding all of the coaches on the offense game tape and everything and kind of getting the rest of the position coaches geared up. He was on the staff that helped see Philip rivers win comeback player of the year. All right. Fast forward grows through the chargers organization, Frank Reich, who was offensive coordinator with the chargers comes to the Eagles now as the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. Who's the one guy that he wants as his offensive coordinator? It's nobody from the Eagle staff. He goes back to his Chargers days and picks up Nick Sirianni to be his offensive coordinator. What happens that first season? Andrew Luck. Now, Andrew Luck is a stud talent and maybe could have done a lot of this on his own. Andrew Luck, that first year under Frank Reich and Nick Sirianni, he also wins comeback player of the year. So one way or the other, if you're Nick Sirianni, you're definitely pitching that to Jeffrey Lurie to say, I have seen it twice. I've been on staffs twice where we've been able to take a quarterback who was uh, broken and beaten and being able to get him back to playing his normal self again. Will the third time be the charm? Will Nick Sirianni be the one to help lead Carson Wentz back to form could we be looking at Carson Wentz being comeback player of the year in 2021? I think that was a big pitch from Nick Sirianni. If I was Nick Sirianni, that's how I position my interview with Jeffrey Lurie. And I think that's what got this team sold. And if he's able to deliver it, 
then I think it's absolutely the right hire for the Philadelphia Eagles. As long as Carson Wentz is comeback player of the year and doesn't retire after that, then <laughs> we'll be all right. <laughs> Don't get him to that point and then have him retire like Andrew Luck did. Yeah, um, that's 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 definitely something we don't want to see. But yeah, um, I think that's a big thing. I was reading uh, Eagles Twitter, which is probably not always the greatest thing to do, <laughs> especially after a decision like this. But that's what some people were saying. Some of uh, some of the other Eagles fans out there were saying, well, yeah, I mean, he got this guy and this guy to be a comeback player of the year. Maybe Carson Wentz could be um, comeback player of the year next year. And then I got into the rabbit hole of reading the Carson Hen- uh, Carson Wentz haters. Um, not that I'm on Carson Wentz side anymore, but um, it was a, it was an interesting rabbit hole to go down. How can, how can you be a comeback player of the year when you sucked the year before? Oh, where do I start? <laughs> oh, maybe maybe it's most improved. Who knows? But well, no, oh, that's that's what it is. That's that, that's literally you had a bad year. Whether you sucked, you got hurt. And he came back the next year and played at a Pro Bowl, all pro, all pro level. That's how you get comeback player of the year. Whether you sucked or whether you were just injured and came back and have a good year, you're still eligible for comeback player of the year. I don't understand why people don't know that, but yeah, that's Eagles Twitter for you guys. Well, I, I think Twitter in general. <laughs> I certainly try to to limit my time on social media, but. Uh, the one thing, and I think why everybody, you know, and you've mentioned, you, you've heard people talking and, you know, I've certainly have friends, you know, and you and I have talked about kind of where's the press conference. We, you know, we want to hear from, from Sirianni. We want to hear that press conference. And I think a lot of it is they want to know the question to kind of what his thoughts are on Carson Wentz, but they also want to know, I think, how he's going to manage Carson Wentz, how he's going to coach, how he's going to lead Carson Wentz. Because of course, I think it was this time last weekend, we were seeing that bombshell report from Jeff McClain where, I mean, I, I got to be honest, Carson Wentz comes off looking like a, you know, a complete ass where uncoachable, someone that, you know, is hardheaded. The report said he was changing plays out of spite just to, you know, kind of prove Doug Peterson wrong. The lineman, you know, Jason Peters, certainly, I mean, if you read between the lines in that article, Jason Peters went to coaching staff and ownership saying how Carson Wentz needed to get benched because they were making the O-line look bad. The only, you know, that is Jason Peters mantra is I'm, I'm going to go say how everybody else makes me look bad. Why don't you just ask Stephen Wisniewski who won a Super Bowl with the chiefs uh, last year, but I think they want to see that they want to see how he's going to handle it because as we talked about earlier, Josh McDaniel was almost the leader in the clubhouse uh, the start of this week and I was okay with that because I thought he was going to have that hard mentality with Carson Wentz and would be able to at least say you know to back it up with the sense of you know he, he did coach Tom Brady he does have a good relationship with Tom Brady and, and you can say what you want about Josh McDaniel's first stint with the Broncos and drafting Tim Tebow I get it but that hard-nosed mentality where he wasn't going to kind of be the soft players guy with Carson Wentz, I thought would be something that would be valued in this locker room and kind of would be the right personality to coach Carson Wentz. We outside of the mic'd up video that we played earlier and, and some articles where, 
you know, other coaches are kind of singing his praises. We really don't know much about Nick Sirianni's personality. Of course, he has the, the mafia persona now on, on Eagles Twitter. Is he like that or is There's he more of a, <laughs> ah, Forget about it. Um, is he that guy? Is he that guy or is he more of a player's coach? And is this somebody that, you know, we feel comfortable with going toe-to-toe with Carson Wentz. I, I think that's really what we want to see. But I have an idea for that, Mike, and I want to get your thoughts first on the coaching staff that they're going to put around Nick Sirianni. I think it makes a lot of sense. There's a lot of talk out there about, hey, getting a very seasoned coaching staff around Sirianni, somebody that's been a head coach before. That worked for Doug Peterson. He had Jim Schwartz. Sean McVay had Wade Phillips. You know, there's a lot of precedent to having somebody on your staff that used to be a head coach that can kind of guide you on some of the other things outside of game planning and coordinating that it takes to be a head coach. Uh, You know, a a mentor almost, somebody that's not going to be threatening to uh, your spot as head coach, but somebody that at least can provide that guidance and mentoring. I want your take, Mike. Who do you think could end up being that guy? And I want to hear who you think it will be, who you would like it to be, because then I have a few names that I think would fit the role of a good mentor, but then also somebody that maybe can get in Carson Wentz's uh, face a little bit. So the name that popped up to me um, was Anthony Lynn. Um, They had a really good relationship uh out when he was with the chargers um when he was uh, what was he quarterback coach or wide receiver coach whatever he was um when he was with the chargers they, they just seemed to, to kick it off and anthony lynn's a guy who can come in and command the locker room um i i, I like anthony lynn i like what he did when he was in buffalo um he made a, a lackluster buffalo team in 2016 when he was in term head coach and calling plays uh, basically head coach slash offensive coordinator. Um, he looked decent. He, he, uh, the Eagles did beat the, the Bills that year, um, but the Bills, I think they beat the Patriots and they, they beat other teams that they weren't supposed to beat and they put up points and guys seemed to fight for him. So Anthony Lynn seems to be the, the guy who had head coaching experience, can come in, can really cement what Nick Sirianni is doing a lot of what Nick Sirianni is doing was from Anthony Lynn. Um, and obviously he was fired from the, from the uh, chargers and they underachieved every year he was head coach there, but some coaches just aren't head coaches. Some coaches are offensive coordinators slash assistant head coaches. So maybe Anthony Lynn um, can be that guy that can come in, help him with the, uh, with the offense um, help kind of fix Carson Wentz's head. I mean, Anthony Lynn, I mean, he does look like a scary dude. Maybe Carson Wentz t- doesn't stand up to Anthony Lynn um, as much as he would stand up to Doug Peterson. Um, so I, I can really see Anthony Lynn coming in uh, and being the offensive coordinator here. And I know he's number one on literally almost every website out there. Um but I'm not, I picked him before he was number one out there. I'm the one, 
I am the one who came up with Anthony Lynn. Nobody else had it before me. <laughs> Here so, on a Captain Delco. Yeah, Anthony Lynn is is my choice to be um, the next um, offensive coordinator. Well, he's my veteran choice, the the former head coach choice to be my offensive coordinator. When I first texted it out, I said, oh, he's the only guy that it can be. Um, then when I thought about it, I'm like, no, there's other guys that it can be. But he's like my former head coach that wasn't that great that can come in kind of like a Jim Schwartz, like a failed head coach. Come in. Uh, I know Jim Schwartz the last two years um, didn't do much for us, but he did help uh, help us win a Super Bowl, even though he gave up a, a Super Bowl record amount of yards. <laughs> <laughs> with with that defense he still helped us uh be that guy so do you want me to to go in and tell you who i think it could be like my my like dark horse kind of a choice yeah who, who's your dark horse and then we'll talk about uh you know i have a, a few names as well yeah so my my dark horse choice is pep hamilton um okay and out of the chargers uh he's the quarterback coach out there he really Really helped Justin Herbert kind of be his own and and come into his his uh, his his how am I trying to say this like fill into his NFL uh, role uh, perfectly. So I think a good quarterbacks coach helped helped the young kid. Maybe he can come out here, be the offensive coordinator, be another voice in um, in Carson Wentz's ear, and kind of kind of mold him uh, like he did with uh, Andrew Luck a little bit as well. Um, he also worked with Chad Pennington. And I know that's not a great name, but <laughs> he worked with him, made him, made him a little bit uh, of a, a quarterback and, and everyone's favorite um, anti-quarterback looking guy and Jay Cutler out there smoking cigarettes on the field and stuff like that. So uh, maybe, maybe Pep Hamilton could come in here, uh, be that other voice that Carson Wentz really needs and, um, I, I, I would be all right with that choice. So th those are my two guys, both out of the Chargers. But that's just uh, I, I feel like that's where he's going to go back in his coaching tray. Certainly ain't going to bring Mike Rowe, uh, the wide receivers coach in, um, in Indianapolis with him. I, I can guarantee you that. Yeah, I, I don't know if we need to see uh, Mike Rowe uh, back in this offense. But here are my two picks kind of going along the same lines. And they're a little bit of a blast from the past. And the one name, Mike, I know we weren't doing the podcast back then, but the one name you'll remember when we were going through the, the hedge coaching names for uh, when the Eagles ultimately picked Doug Peterson in 2016. My first name was uh, on the coaching staff with Sirianni when they were with the Chargers but it was the offensive coordinator at the time before Reich, Ken Wisenhunt. So Ken Wisenhunt is not only a former offensive coordinator for the Steelers and won a Super Bowl, he was also the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals and took that team to a Super Bowl against the Steelers and helped revitalize Kurt Warner's career. If you remember, Kurt Warner was – Great with the Rams, really kind of had a downturn with the Giants, and he might have been on one other team at that point. Goes to the Cardinals and almost revitalizes his career. I think ultimately Ken Wisenhunt proved to not be a great head coach, but certainly somebody that can learn from that experience. I think he does have a little bit of a flash of an innovative play design. You remember the, uh, when the Steelers were in the Super Bowl, they had the wide receiver 
uh, pass. Was it uh, Santonio Holmes caught the touchdown pass uh, against Seattle? So he does show a little bit of, you know, trickery play design has an open offense that you saw with Kurt Warner and those Cardinal teams that beat the Eagles uh, in the NFC championship team. So there's a connection there with Wisenhunt and Nick Sirianni. I think Wisenhunt brings in a stature with him being a coach in the Super Bowl twice having a ring on his finger. So he automatically brings a working with a hall of fame quarterback and Kurt Warner, I think brings us some of the stature that at least Carson Wentz, I think would have no choice, but to listen to also a little bit of a, you know, a kind of a more of a stern guy an in your face type of guy, not necessarily the player's coach. The other choice, if you go back to that Arizona Cardinals team, and if you remember this name from 2016, I was banging the table for this guy to at least get an interview for the head coaching position as the offensive coordinator on that same Arizona Cardinals team. And uh, Todd Haley, if you want somebody that is in your face, Todd Haley will get in your face. Uh, offensive coordinator for that Arizona Cardinal team, offensive coordinator for the Steelers. You know how tough Todd Haley is. He had to pull his wife out of a bar fight in Pittsburgh. Uh, if you remember, Hard knocks with the with the Cleveland Browns. He was just combative and in people's faces. I I like Todd Haley as a coach. Maybe I'm the only one. Todd Haley, what's the connection to Nick Sirianni? Todd Haley was the head coach of the Chiefs and actually gave Nick Sirianni his start as a quality control coach for the Chiefs. So there is a connection there. For They're from the same part of Pennsylvania. So maybe it is something where Nick Sirianni tries to help the person who helped him get him back into the NFL. I think Haley's coaching like high school right now, which is kind of a crazy thought with how uh, intense he is. But those poor kids. Maybe, maybe there's something where uh, Todd Haley can really get into, uh, you know, kind of shake some sense. Into, I mean, he would yell at players on the sidelines. I mean, him and him and Kurt Warner, or Carson Palmer had the big dust up. I, I think the uh, one year with the Cardinals. So he is an intense, in-your-face type guy. I don't know why I have a, a soft spot for, for Haley, but he would be my choice for offensive coordinator for the Philadelphia Eagles. Mike, what are your thoughts on those two? I, I, love, I love how we both went with, like, guys who, who coached, like, together in the same team. <laughs> that, was, that was pretty good. I, I wouldn't mind Todd Haley. Um, I wouldn't mind him coming, be, uh, coming in as, like, a quarterback coach either if he's not going to come in as the offensive coordinator, um, why, why not, why not give him a shot? Um, yeah. If, if he's coaching high school and uh, wherever he's coaching high school, probably somewhere in uh, Alabama or whatever. Um, but yeah, maybe, maybe he can, uh, maybe he can come in here and shake some things up. That would, that would actually be a very good choice. I like Ken Wesenhut too. Um, I still thought the Eagles were going to the Super Bowl when, when uh, Deshaun Jackson caught that bomb from Donovan McNabb, but Alas, Larry Fitzgerald broke our hearts. I think it was Larry Fitzgerald caught that touchdown pass um, to, to send the Cardinals to the Super Bowl. Um, that was, what, 13 years ago now. Um, so uh, names blast from the past. Um, I like it. I wouldn't be honest. I wouldn't mind any of those four guys. Um, may, maybe all of those four guys come in and, and have, a, have, have something to do with this uh, Eagles offense. And may, maybe that's, that's what it takes. Get, get a get a room full of hard-headed hot-headed people to 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 break Carson Wentz and 
and uh, what what are they the Buck the Bronco, right? Maybe yeah, that's what that's what uh, Ike Reese calls him. He calls him the Bronco, Carson Wentz. So maybe they got to bring somebody in that can buck the Bronco and get his head on straight, and then the Eagles are are flying high once again. Absolutely. So a couple names, and then defensive coordinator. I'm still a fan of Chris Richard. He sat out this year just because of the kind of the the craziness of the season. He was somebody that was looked at as a potential head coach. Uh, I think giving him another shot to maybe come in and, and run this defense uh, for the Philadelphia Eagles. And if it's the last a season or two, I still like some of the more senior names too, because you do want stability, especially if Chris Richard is somebody that's looking for a head coaching position in the future. But Chris Richard would be my, my pick for defensive coordinator. I like what he did with Seattle and even the Dallas defense. I don't think they had the talent on that team, but I like their scheme. I think that scheme would fit well uh, with the Eagles. And I think Eagles fans would actually like Chris Richard. Yeah. Um, that would be all right with me. <clears throat> um, he, he, he was a passing game coordinator too for the Cowboys, wasn't he? <laughs> this is kind of, it was a kind of odd, odd job he had down there in, in uh, Dallas, if I do remember. Um, I'll bring up a, a two other names, and they're both going to be linebackers coaches, kind of like uh, Keith Richards. Um, uh, he was a defensive back coach, Keith Richards, sorry. But um, my, my two names are, are Chris, named that, Chris, that, Chris Richard. Keith Richard is the rock star. Chris Richard. They call him Chris Richard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's Chris Richard, right? You called him Keith. I called him Keith. Yeah. Well, All good. I don't even think I listened to Keith Richard. <laughs> I have no idea where that came from. Uh, but my two names are going to be linebackers coach. Uh, one, it'll be kind of familiar. Um, and, and another one will be um, absolutely familiar to, to Eagles fans. The first one's uh, Gerard uh, Mayo. Uh, he was a candidate for the for the head coaching position for the, def- uh, for the uh, Philadelphia Eagles. Um, he's a linebackers coach for the Patriots now. Um, I can see him coming in, uh, being kind of like a young, hot name out there in coaching, um, giving, giving him a shot at defensive coordinator. And then another name, um, he's coaching for the uh, 49ers right now. He's their inside linebackers coach. And he was a great inside linebacker for the Houston Texans and your Philadelphia Eagles. And that's D'Amico Ryans. Um I, I would not mind him coming in as the defensive coordinator, um, coaching up Alex Singletary. <laughs> Singleton. No, he's Alex Singletary. He is the reincarnation of Mike Singletary. Uh, okay, I, I get where you're going. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I wouldn't mind either of those two names. I like Chris Richards, too. Um, I still don't know how, how he was passing game coordinator and defensive back coach. Um, so I think it was def- defensive passing coordinator that's such a weird position <laughs> such a weird coaching position but you know what the eagles had 35 coaches this year so maybe we can have like an offensive passing game coordinator a defensive passing game coordinator and maybe maybe we can uh, get into get into that but i like all three of those names they're all semi-young guys um getting their getting their starts right now um but yeah i i, w- I would be all right with that I do kind of want a linebacker um, to come in here, but I would be all right with uh, Keith Richards. <laughs> and, how can, and how can you not like Mufasa, right? 
Chip yeah. Kelly used to refer to D'Amico Ryan as Mufasa yeah, for Mufasa, his leadership, yeah. right? I forgot. He was, shit, I he totally was the, forgot about that. You know, he was the, you know, the king of, of, of the defense and leadership capabilities. I, I think that would be a phenomenal choice as well. Similar to what I worry about with Chris, you know, Chris Richards or Keith Richards Keith. is, you know, does has aspirations to be a head coach someday. And similar to what we're saying about Nick Sirianni, I, I think D'Amico Ryan's is in that same talk right of somebody yeah. that maybe not this year but will be ready in a year or in two yeah. you could see uh D'Amico making a a quick exit on your defense but maybe bring in a senior assistant that's a little bit more senior that could kind of serve as your backup there you got to have and the Eagles failed to do this after the Super Bowl is you got to have a strong tree if you're going to be a good team you're going to have good coaches good coaches are going to get poached. You got to have a good succession plan in place. And that was you know, one like of they, the faults. They tried that, to do with uh, Marty Morton Henwig. Marty. Yeah. <laughs> he was sitting up there in the booth doing something, twiddling his thumbs. Maybe he was an offensive game. Where is uh, his, his kids at Michigan now? Or where, where did his, his he's son was like, a, schools. he's one of those Northern schools. Yeah. He was like a stud quarterback for the prep. And then yeah. I don't know where, where he got to. He's probably down in the depth charts like Tom Brady was, probably like seventh, seventh string behind like six five star recruits. <laughs> not for that hardball team. Yeah, no, definitely not. No, that is that is, uh, that is for sure. Um, how about like a name like a Romeo Cornell? I could see that. I can certainly maybe see not that. as your D coordinator, but to come in and like coach behind like a D'Amico Ryan's I can I can certainly see that obviously he was defensive coordinator for the Texans this year and ended up being interim head coach so he's he's out there yeah. um I think still has the the energy and the spunk has that same connection with uh Todd Haley so maybe if yeah. <laughs> Romeo Cornell and Todd Haley uh what's that what's that thing uh, oh it's, it's, with the one actor the uh, Kevin Bacon. What do they call Kevin, that? Yeah, six degrees of Kevin six Bacon. Degree, yeah, I feel like that's what we're playing right now with Nick Sirianni. <laughs> that's a uh, that's awesome. That's uh, that's good stuff. And of course, it'll all come down to who Howie and Jeff approve of. They probably already have their own list of coaches. That doesn't include any of the names that we just mentioned. Yeah, you know what? I'm I'm going to throw one more name out there before we switch gears. Um, Mike Kafka. Um, maybe if Eric B doesn't get a job somewhere, he doesn't get that Houston job, maybe Mike Kafka comes up and, and, uh, becomes a, uh, offensive coordinator here. He is the quarterbacks coach down there in, um, Kansas city. So maybe just throwing another name out there. Um, just, just for, just for shits and giggles. Like we say, just to, just in case it happens, I can say I was right. <laughs> There you go. I don't know. I mean, there was talk out there that either the Eagles weren't interested or. Uh, yeah, not as the head coach. Or, or, you know, he wasn't interested in the Eagles. If it was truly that way where he was, if he wasn't interested in the Eagles, then yeah. I can't see him being interested in. Yeah, probably not. Coming in as their offensive coordinator. Certainly a name. I do think that. Uh my belief right now, if I were to throw some some money on it, would be Eric Bieniemy becomes the head coach of the Houston Texans, and Kafka then gets promoted to offensive coordinator for the Chiefs. Yeah, uh, I also don't know how many years 
Andy Reid has left that he wants to coach. I mean, you could see Kafka kind of being groomed to be his successor in Kansas City if he's truly as kind of special as as what you're hearing. It's tough to say with any of these guys, really, truly, um, how good they are. Nick Sirianni was listed on the top forty head, uh, top forty coaches in the NFL under forty. So we'll we'll see. Along yeah. with Kafka, I'm excited for it. I'm excited for the ride. Um, as always, Howie Roseman has to go. Just got, um, just got to give him a chance. We'll see. Yeah, that, that's uh, that's all we can do is give him a shot. Let let him work with let him work with Wentz and Hurts and whoever comes out comes out. Maybe he he can be the savior and deliver us from Howie. Yeah, unlike Chip, maybe he unlike- can just do it better than Chip did. That's what we always say. I mean, Chip Kelly was that he was the one that had the had the uh, clout to be able to push Howie to the side. He then just couldn't deliver. I, I think if if Chip would have gotten a playoff team that year, I, I think we probably would have seen Howie taking a or or at least had some of the emotional intelligence. I think you would have seen Howie buried. Maybe this guy is the one. He has the clout. And then is able to back it up uh, on the field. Remains to be seen. Yep, absolutely excited. So go birds as always. For sure. Alrighty. Which which way we want to go now? Want to talk? Want to talk MVP? MVP? Jaw? MVP bead? Yeah, absolute animal. I mean, guy yesterday dominates the 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 Celtics. And earlier in the day, for all our video game guys who are watching, all our FIFA guys from across the pond who listen to us, pulls a team of the year Mbappe out of a free pack and then goes out and and puts on an MVP performance in an NBA game. What a damn world we live in, Tom. How could you do that? After the excitement of pulling out a free Mbappe, how could you put out a, an Seriously. MVP game against the Celtics? Unbelievable. Oh, I wouldn't even want to play afterwards. I, I would just want to keep playing with that Mbappe and, <laughs> on, on FIFA 21 or keep, whatever the hell we're on. <laughs> keep playing with your Mbappe, lay in bed with a cigarette. That's all you want to do after you play Seriously. with your Mbappe. Go over to the beer fridge over there, pop open some uh, tired hands and, and go from there. But yeah, I, the, in all seri- seriousness, it, it is awesome to put no, an <laughs> it He is an MVP, not even candidate at this point. I think he's the front runner. Um, last night, what did he end up last night? 35, 36? 38 points, uh, double double with 11 rebounds. Or okay, so what's that raise his uh, points per game from 20, 26 to almost 27 now? Yeah, he's around 27 points per game. I think the Sixers are nine and a half rebounds per game. Seven and zero when they have their their starting five uh, most of the game. Yes. Uh, yeah, eleven rebounds last night. Um, so another double double out of him and Ben Simmons too. Ben Simmons, you know, kind of got a lot of uh, flack and, and certainly not saying it wasn't deserved about being a little bit more passive. Last night, the end of that game, I mean, he showed what he is capable. Like something got into Ben, where he just he went off in that fourth quarter. So I'd like to yeah. see more of that too. I like to see him. I want to get inside his head, and just I want to know what what his thought process is 
about not taking a shot. Like, I think he should put up a three, like, once a quarter, or at least a jump shot, like, once or twice a quarter. Like, you see that that last three attempt he made. It was a complete air ball. But, but like, is he afraid people are going to make fun of him? Like, dude, you're making, like, hundreds of millions of dollars with with your contract, with with all all your different uh, sponsorships, and uh, I'm sure he'll get a shoe deal if he doesn't already have one. What is the big deal? You're an NBA player. So what? Some some fat Joe Schmo makes fun of you because you look weird taking a three. Just take the three so the defense can like think about it at least. Like help to me, that would be helping out the rest of the shooters. I mean, if Maxie's on the floor, if Curry's on the floor, when Matisse Dibel's on the floor, it looks like he's in the he's hard in the rotation now, which is great. He had two great blocks on Kemba Walker, three points. Uh, three-point attempts yesterday. It was awesome to see. Kemba was so pissed. <laughs> he was like, he was screaming stuff. It was awesome uh, to see Thibault get in Kemba Walker's um, uh, grill like that and and, and absolutely uh, mind bleep him. And I won't go too far today. I won't, I won't, I won't drop F-bombs today. <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm ex- I actually get excited watching the Sixers now. Um, I, I have not gone back on my New Year's resolution. Um, I am thoroughly watching the Sixers, um, at least as much as my son lets me watch the Sixers. Yeah. Um, I, I am uh, I am in on every game. Um, so the only thing I didn't get to see last night was the last two minutes, but they really didn't matter much. So, um, yeah, it, it's been really, really fun watching this team. And like you said, once when they have their, their top five, top six, top seven guys, um, in the lineup, they're they're pretty good. Uh, yeah, I'm, and I mean, eleven and five on the season, good enough for tops in the Eastern Conference at this point. And yeah. some of those losses, I mean, you, you were dealing with. <laughs> I what did Doc Doc call it? The Philadelphia Seven Sixers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah just playing awful. with a with a completely depleted roster because of COVID and contract tracing. And didn't uh, we say in our last episode that that I could get? I, I said wait until they do, wait until they postpone the Celtics game, and then just look at the double standard. And what happened? Yeah. That's what they happened. Post- and absolutely. it's happening again. Somebody else just got, uh, I, I forget who it is, but they they postponed three games in a row. But yet the Sixers had to play with like the janitor and right. and, and like a, a guy from IT coming down the dress. Like what the hell's that? What was it, Montana? Some or Dakota? Dakota something. Yeah, the guy who's ne- the uh, Dakota Mathis or D- Matthias? Matthias. Yeah. yeah, Dakota Matthias or Matthias. I. Uh, he's now here. cut. He, he's back in Dakota. Um, <laughs> yeah. So that's that's pretty bad. I mean, that's yeah. that's bad. That's not bad on the Sixers. That's bad on the NBA. Like you made them play two games with literally six healthy guys. You they had the dress. I forget who they dressed, but he was like Scott. Yeah, yeah, they had a dress. They, they made dress them, them dress an injured player to get to their eight players. Um, ridiculous. That that was absolutely ridiculous from the NBA. I mean, that, that was and – then, and then all of a sudden, everybody else, game, their games are getting postponed. They, they should go back and reward the Sixers for even agreeing to play those games. Give them, give them the two wins that they that they deserved and probably would have gotten. Yep, for sure. I'm still surprised that, that Jovic didn't score like 50 points in that game. That game was close for a while, too. That was close. But the uh, sitting atop the Eastern Conference, I think they're a much improved coach team this year, a much more fun team to watch. And, you know, Curry, uh, as you hear the 
we got the best Curry uh, out of the group. So it, it's certainly finally we have the best brother. The we breast, didn't the get Jeremy brother. Giambi this time, guys. <laughs> I mean, we did. He's still not as good as Seth. Uh, Seth oh, yeah. But we, we we didn't we didn't get uh, what was it? Um, jeez, uh, I can't even remember. But we got like one of the boons, not, not the best, but still a good player uh, with uh, Seth Curry. So definitely a fun team. And we're going to keep uh, keep going on with your uh, 10, 9, 8, 76ers. Yeah, it's not 76ers, 76ers. 76ers. <laughs> now they got the full squad. All right. So the Eagles got a head coach. Sixers got an MVP. The Phillies, they don't have a JT yet. But they do have a new closer. Mike, you want to tell us about the bullpen help for the Phillies? Dude, I can't even remember his name right now. Archie Bradley. All right. I, I just know he has a great beard. This whole week, I've been living in a fog. You can probably still hear it in my voice. So, I, I, I'm lucky I remember my name. What, what's his name again? Archie Cunningham? Archie Bradley. It's Keith Richards. <laughs> it's Keith Richards, Archie Cunningham. Um, Archie Bradley, he, dude, he has a freaking great beard. It's not, it's not like, uh, uh, what the heck was the closer for the Giants that had the black beard? Oh, the uh, crazy was, dude, was we're it? number 13. I can tell you his freaking number. I can't tell you what his name was today. Oh my God. Oh. But, but he's like that, but he's like the beard, but his beard's like nice and red and well, it's more like a strawberry blondish beard, beard, but Man, is he trying to get into the heart? Not trying to. I think he is cemented into the hearts of Philadelphia Phillies fans at this point. I mean, oh, literally, as soon as he signed, his first tweet was hashtag sign JT. Like, done. Fallen in love. Greatest Phillies pitcher to ever live. Um, he's, he's tweeting out pictures of him and JT as the as the stepbrothers from, from – uh, from the movie, the stepbrothers is it's been a love affair for the last week with, with Archie Bradley slash Cunningham and our Philadelphia Phillies uh, fans. But yeah, it's, I think it's a great move. Um, it, it, it goes kind of along with the, the rest of the moves that they're going with guys who had maybe so, so years last year or the last two years and hoping they're going to bounce back, but I'm happy with what they're doing with the bullpen. I mean, they, they literally need everything and anything out there. So ho- hopefully, uh, hopefully his his lobbying along with um, with uh, Bryce Harper to sign JT and he can deliver. That's, that's all I'm hoping for. Yeah. Speaking of fan favorite, just looked at his Twitter page and saw that he is he is accepting uh, podcast requests. So I'm trying to write out a tweet to come on our show, and we'll promise yeah. to talk more than just baseball but we'll talk betting and beer and barbecue and anything beards. else but yeah beards we'll talk <laughs> about beard of... butters hey we yeah. both got beards we can, yeah. we can talk beards with uh i've shaved Ar- Archie up. bradley i think i'm gonna i think i'm gonna go for the uh, uh star wars wef- reference here i'm gonna go for obi-wan kenobi kind of a look nice nice long not, not long like medium-sized beard but it's nice and fluffy that's what I'm going to go for. Maybe not the Archie Bradley look. Um, I'm definitely not going to go with that, but a little longer than what I have now. Kind of what I had a couple months ago. And I know you guys can't see me, but kind of what I had a couple months ago. There you go. I'm going to go with that. But Archie Bradley, 
let's talk about him as the pitch aside from he, he does say that the beard is almost like a, a superpower for him at this point now that uh, yeah. he grew the beard and, and started pitching better uh so now is is why he keeps it but has a fastball uh in, in the mid to high 90s he can hit 100 so that'll be uh interesting goes heavy on the fastball also has a what they call a 12-6 curveball so it just it drops uh brian wilson brian wilson that is it <laughs> so uh you, you'll definitely see where you know he, he's throwing the heat and then all of a sudden you think you're getting a high fastball and the thing just you know falls out from you uh should be fun to watch this year ha- has had a pretty good season last year. I think it was with the Reds and got uh, traded to the to the Diamondbacks during the middle of the season, but should be uh, a plus. In the I mean, the bullpen needs all the help it can get, so certainly a step above where uh, they were at last year. And somebody that can solidify that closing spot, and then some of the guys that you know were pegged for there can maybe. Uh, fill in behind Archie Bradley, but welcome to uh, the Philadelphia Phillies, Archie Bradley. I'm going to go try and finish my tweet to get him to come on and, and talk uh, Phillies and beards with on a couch and Delco. For sure. Live, live tweeting as we're podcasting. Uh, we might have another episode really quick guys, if he accepts it. Um, but uh, yeah, is, should we move on to our, uh, I don't know what to call them. I don't know. I don't know whether to call them the ailing Philadelphia Flyers, the 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 injured Philadelphia Flyers, the Flyers who look good but shit the bed in the third period, the the Flyers who who thought they had a Eric Gustafson that that could that could just run the power play and get points galore, but can't defend a lick. Like, like what, what are they right now? Like what, what is, what is happening? Yeah, they are certainly struggling defensively having a lot of defensive breakdowns. I I don't think they've won the shot stat uh, at all this season. So, you know, the, the, the goals against looks a little high. uh, And and I know sometimes you have fans that are quick to point that on Uh, the goaltending. I don't think it's a case of the goaltending this year. Uh, at least not yet. I think it, it is truly defensive breakdowns. Um, and, and hey, when you're in goal, there's only so much you can do. I mean, when, when guys aren't getting the puck away from the net, uh, it, it certainly Passing makes the puck directly to opposing team players. I mean, Gustafson had three turnovers in, in the defensive end in the one game. And I think I texted you. I said, I, I've had enough of it. Like he literally turned that was the, the Sabres game, the six, turn- nothing, six, one, six, nothing, whatever it was. Yeah, six two or yeah, yeah, literally had three turnovers in the defensive part of the ice. Uh, Gustafson certainly uh, not an improvement on Niskanen. I, I think, no. you know, this team is in dire need of some uh, defensive help. Can we, can I, I like the meme that was out there. Did, did you see it? That they, they, they were on the phone. It was like it must have been like two drafts ago or last year. The draft where they were actually there and they had to wear any masks. Before pre-COVID, um, and they're on the phone, and it goes, "Hello, is this Nisky? Exactly, how retired are you?" <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that's that's about what they're at. I mean, at this point, they might have to just bring back um, Sam Morin as a for as a defenseman and forget the whole forward thing. I mean, that's to me, that's that's absolutely a ridiculous change. Anyway, the guy guys played defense his whole career, and 
I know they're trying to save his career and make him more uh, versatile, but at this point, he's going to have to play defense. I mean, I, I don't know what else they're going to They can't bring Cam York from, from Michigan in yet. I mean, the, the absolute specimen of a, of, a, of a body who's going to be the, the top defensive pair with, with Provorov next year or the year after. Um, they need to find help quick. Uh, yeah, but but even I mean even Cam York is more I mean and he had a great uh, what is that what tournament was it the juniors or you know for you yeah I mean phenomenal turn but he's he's an offensive defenseman right I, I think this yeah. the, the you know this team needs a a guy that will just you know and I bring up the name and yes I know they're not going to find a Chris Pronger but you yeah. know, they they need that level of just guy that will you know makes it hard for the offensive, you know, forwards to even come into the zone with the puck. Yeah. I mean, they have the Chris Pronger type. They have, they have Provorov now, but they, they need like a, like a Chris Terrian and, and like a Darian Hatcher, like, like those guys, like the guys who, like, like you said, the opposing team is going to be like looking at them as soon as they cross the blue line. Cause they know they're going to get their teeth knocked out. Like, like those kind of guys. Yeah. But they, they definitely don't have it. I mean, Hag, he, he's just – he's not cutting it. And Gustafson, I, I, they might as well fire him into the sun. He had he had a great first game, two assists on the first two goals of the season. Um, but other than that, yeah, he's he's not as good as as, as Niskanen. Not even close to, to as good as Niskanen was. And, I mean, Justin Braun, he, he's lost. Uh, I think that they usually say they lost a step. I think he's lost about – a whole staircase at this point. So <laughs> I, I don't, I don't exactly know what he's giving you. Uh, out there. I don't, I don't even know if he had the step to lose, to be honest. Yeah. I think before he got here, he's, he lost half the staircase and now he's on the full staircase. So they're, they're in, they're in trouble back there on the, on the defensive side, but I mean, they're scoring goals, which is nice to see. Um, Nolan Patrick is, is looking halfway decent. Lindblom, he, he has a couple goals already. Um, he, he is looking more and more like his former self. Um, I think people had unrealistic expectations with Limblom. He was going to come back and, and look like the guy who was at one point leading the NHL in goal scoring and points um, early last season. But uh, he's getting there. He's getting the skating legs. And th- the most surprising thing um, to me uh, is, is future Seattle Kraken player, um, James Van Riemsdyk is is he's looked decent putting some pucks in the net huh yeah he's, he's looking good I mean he's he's really putting that audition tape out there to be the number one pick in the uh expansion draft <laughs> and I I mean if you if you know his contract situation I mean he's getting paid pretty big money um but his contract also doesn't have a no movement clause. So, I mean, it's pretty much a done deal that, that he is going to be a Seattle Kraken, but it's nice to see him score goals for our Philadelphia Flyers. I mean, if, if the defense isn't going to be this bad all year. If it is, we're in for a long, long year. Um, so eventually they'll get the ship right it. But, but my big issue right now is that power play. I mean, I don't know what Michelle Terrian's actually doing out there. Like, it's unwatchable at this point. It is so bad. 
but somehow has still looked better than last year in the bubble. Oh, like, absolutely. Yeah. So I, you know, I view it, yes, not where it needs to be, but somehow I still look at it as I'm like, okay, we're making progress here on on the we power. We scored part. a couple so far. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think they scored any after. Well, we'll say in the playoffs during the um, the whatever they called it the the the, the round where they 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 reseeded the top four seeds. Uh, that round, they look absolutely unbelievable. And then the playoffs started and playoff, the, the, the playoffs, the power play went out the window. But yeah, it's still still definitely not where it needs to be. It's still very, very hard to watch, but it is better than, than the playoff bubble hockey that it was last year. For sure. Yeah, it's, uh, it's early. It's early in the season. There's still my pick to, to make it out of the East, so. Um, make it at not not the East Division. I, I mean, make it to the Stanley Cup Finals. They are still my pick for that. Um, but they're going to have to they're going to have to do a couple couple tweaks back there on the defensive end. Maybe maybe bring in a, a player via trade or via out of retirement. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Matt Niskanen, if you listen to on a couch in Delco, come save us, please. <laughs> Yeah, and we have the coach, Elaine Vigneault, will certainly get this team playing playing better. But it's been, I mean, you know, they've been competitive and, and they've certainly, you know, haven't given up too many, uh, dropped too many points so far yet. So it's, what are they, three, one, and one on the season? So not... we're, we're talking about them like they're one, three, and one. <laughs> yeah, it certainly hasn't been uh, bad from a point standpoint, but. Yeah. Uh, you do know, I mean, that, that, that defense is leaky. Yeah, a two goal lead in the third period. I know you're playing the Bruins. I know they didn't score a goal with uh, on even strength yet uh, coming into the game and going into the third period that changed pretty quickly, 57 seconds in. Um, but uh, a two goal lead in the third period with this Flyers team, that should be a, a done deal. Lock up the two points and go home. Um, you should not be giving up four goals in the third period to a team who, who couldn't score even strength all year up until this point. So hopefully tonight they come out, they get the Bruins again up there in Boston. Um, hopefully they come out guns firing, uh, right the ship a little bit. I don't expect a shutout or anything like that, but I do expect them to come out firing all cylinders and, and, uh, walk out of the Boston the, the what's at the TD Bank Garden now? It's not the Boston Garden. TD Bank Garden with a with a W and all two points. Yeah, just don't spend all day playing with your Mbappe. Yeah, seriously, I, I don't know if any of those guys play FIFA. I'll have to I'll have to look it up. But I know I know JoJo plays it. That that that's that's about the only thing he tweets out now is his FIFA team and all that stuff. But yeah, the three one and one on the season. Um, and then, I mean, like I said, it's early. Seems seems like even even like the Avalanche, like their their team gave up six goals once. So we'll see what happens. All right. Jeez, sun's coming down. He's he's going to join the the podcast right now. He's on the couch in Delco. How about we uh, get into? Uh, some of our bets and, and maybe help some of our listeners win some money this weekend. Hey, 
maybe maybe the music drowned him out a little bit. But again, it has been so long since since we have uh, did our bet. Last bet was to be honest on a couch in Delco. So, Tom, do you have any of those? I'm trying to go back through my bet list. I don't have, uh, I think it, we did. Uh, it might take some time to line it up, but yeah, I, I think we're ready. It's uh, championship weekend in the NFL. So, of course, uh, have a couple picks uh, related to that. I have some action in uh, both games. So I'll go through that, and then I have uh, – well, I'll start with uh, – there's a UFC pick tonight. Conor McGregor returns for UFC 257. DraftKings has a boost where it is basically even money for him to win. So it's not win by knockout. It's not win by any special round. Pure money line, Conor McGregor, even money. So I, I take that. I think that's a pretty good bet. I think the odds are for Conor McGregor around minus 250. So – Definitely a good boost there. So uh, take that in both NFC championship games, both games. The home team has the three and a half point uh, edge. So three and a half is, is kind of a, you know, a magic number in the early game bucks Packers. I like the Packers to cover the three and a half. We'll see the green Bay Packers in the super bowl. Uh, I think, this Tampa Bay team going on the road with it being cold. The, you know, this Packers team is not the Mike McCarthy Packers teams with Aaron Rodgers. I think this is a well-coached, uh, good team. They proved that even without uh, Bakhtari, they, they can still run their, their offense. So I look for this Green Bay Packers team to uh, roll this Tampa Bay Buccaneers team pretty easily. That's not to say they're, they're not a good team, but I, I think this Packers team is – is really good. So I have the Packers covering the three and a half against uh, the Buccaneers. Then the evening matchup, I think I talked about it earlier. So I'm going to put my money where my mouth is. I do have a bet on the Buffalo Bills uh, that I placed before the playoffs started for them to come out of the AFC. And that's what I think they do. I think they go into Kansas City and they beat this Chiefs team. Uh, we know Andy Reid has problems in championship games. Don't let the don't let the Super Bowl of last year fool you, right? He is still a coach that sometimes struggles when the the heat is at its brightest. I'm not saying this Kansas City Chiefs team is going to struggle, but you do have Mahomes on a bum on a bum ankle and, you know, dealing with a concussion now. He is cleared to play. He is going to play, but you wonder if there's some lingering effects or if they're at least taking it a little bit easy with him. Uh, in you know, in practice, three and a half points, even if the Chiefs end up winning, I think it, it'll be a close game. So, I like the Buffalo Bills plus the three and a half. I would even maybe put a little bit on the, on the money line there. I think you're going to see a Green Bay Packers Buffalo Bills Super Bowl. Yeah, I, I like that. Um, I only have three bets uh this week, uh, and I, I'm doing them all in a uh, a weekend parlay. I got the Sixers um, to uh, to beat the Pistons tonight. Uh, I'm just going money line on that one. I, I mean, I, I right now they're minus three. They actually were minus three thirty. Now it went up to um, up to minus three ten or down to minus three ten technically. Um, so I, I think they win tonight easily, even though it's the the second night of a back to back. So I, I do think they come out and travel to to, to travel to Pittsburgh. 
the hell are they traveling to Pittsburgh for? Traveling to Detroit and come out with the win um, tonight. And my other two bets that are in there um, to make this a three-team parlay plus 402 um, profit margin. Um, I do have the Green Bay Packers to win outright, although I am very nervous for for reasons that should be very obvious to Eagles fans. I know this is a completely different Buccaneers team, obviously, than the 2004 team. Uh, but they came up here to Philadelphia. They're, they're a warm weather team coming up to cold weather. I think it was they never won a game under 32 degrees, and the Eagles have this locked up, and we lost 27-10. Um, so it sounds a little bit like them going up uh, to the Green Bay Packers, but I think uh, LaFleur and Rodgers and Devontae Adams and their trio of running backs do take care of Tom Brady um, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So they are my a- uh, NFC um, choice to go into the Super Bowl. And my AFC choice is exactly the same as Tom's. Um, I do think the Buffalo Bills defeat uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. And I did go money line on it at plus 148. That gave me my nice little boost. Um, the Sixers, that line is like moving crazy right now. It's, it was minus 330, then minus 310. Now it's back up to minus 320. Um, so I am going to get that um, three-team parlay locked in now at plus 399, um, just in case that Sixers line keeps moving. So we'll we'll see what happens if it if it keeps going back up to like minus 290 or something, uh, losing out on some profits. Maybe I'll let it go a couple minutes, see what see what it's doing. But quick and yeah, easy, that... I'll be able to remember these because taking a screenshot of them <laughs> that way I can remember. Um, what, what I, what I did for, uh, our next week's podcast, hopefully featuring Archie Bradley. There you go. I'm a little bit worried about that Sixers game though. Back to back. I don't know if they've made any announcement regarding what, uh, Joel Embiid's going to do, if he's going to sit out in the back to back or something. I might be, might be going the other way on that one, not for the, uh, Pistons to win, but certainly, uh, taking the points in that one. Maybe I'll go Pistons. This way, hey, if the Sixers win by five, we both win our bets. Yeah. But uh, I, I'm almost uh, inclined. Yeah, to I might, might mess around plus, with the teaser. Plus the points there. Yeah, I, I might go. I might go like uh, Detroit plus ten, or maybe do like the Sixers plus five or something like that. Yeah, my obviously, it's not going to be a a great profit uh, that, that that it would be, but we'll see what happens. Maybe maybe kind of kind of make it make it in there. The Sixers have got me some bad beats this year. Um, I've missed out on a few thousand dollars already this year with the Sixers because of a half a point um, with Ben Simmons and Seth Curry. So I'm a little bitter about betting with the Sixers right now. They've been, they've been losing me some, uh, not, I'm not losing a lot of money. I mean, like five, $10 here and there. Not really that mad, but I'm, I'm missing out on big winnings is how I should, how I should put it. Not really losing big money missing out on big winning so that's that Tom, i don't have our beer song queued up i know as i've been desperately looking for you to play the uh i know I, the, I the video I there her, i didn't put her up on the screen I, I mean i guess i could real quick now nah, we're real quick i know we got a wrap uh coming up shortly but i have a, a beer had it last night i'm not usually a hellas lager uh fan but yeah. i had Workhorse Bruins, obviously out of the King of Prussia area, had their Hellas Lager last night, and I'd say it was probably one of the better 
pellets that I've had just had a good, clean taste, refreshing, went well with pizza. So workhorse, Hellas Lager, kudos to you. Probably one of the better Hellas that I've had. Yeah, so I, I went out, um, I guess it was two weeks ago now. I think I talked about them on the last one. I went out to to Tired Hands. I'm still working through that order. That was a pretty big order for me, a case and a half. I usually don't go that big. Um, but But I've been working through that. Um, my favorite one still is their extra, um, extra vanilla double IPA, uh, milkshake IPA. It, it is still one of my favorite beers this year that I've had. Um, I know I gave you some, you gave me, I think a workhorse double IPA. That was really good. I had that last night. I enjoyed that a lot. <laughs> it, was, it was like a simple, like double IPA. It didn't have like milkshake, vanilla, coconut oil, all this shit in there. Um, it was just like a simple clean IPA and sometimes you just need a simple clean IPA and that's what that that's a double IPA in in this case and that's what that workhorse was so those are my two beers Um, big shout out to workhorse maybe we'll tweet them out Uh, we gave them a nice shout out in uh, some of our listeners most um, in well not not most listened to That, that that doesn't make sense their their favorite uh, segment of our episode, um, especially out there uh, in England and our and our listeners in Germany as well, they, they they do like it. I do talk to them on Discord a little bit, um, so they they do like our our choices for beer, even though they can't get them out there. But they do listen to it, Tom. Well, if they want to send us some beers, uh, you know, yeah. from across the pond, you know. Yep ship them over to Delco. We'll certainly give them a, give them a taste. There are some good German and English beers oh, yeah. uh, out there. Uh, I've had some fun in some English pubs. For sure. Clo- when you, when you talk to these guys, you got to ask them, why do the pubs close at like nine o'clock though in England? It's kind of freaking boring. That's why that's what, they're and, you know, and it's like, if you want to drink past 10 o'clock or whatever, you have to go to a nightclub. So it's, it's kind of interesting, but yeah. All right. All right. I think yep. that's a wrap for this yep. episode. Of course, we'll be back if, you know, when there's an official Sirianni press conference or as Mike said, maybe when they announce Lincoln Riley, still no official word yet from the Eagles making any of this official, but you know, for now we're going to go with Nick Sirianni, new head coach uh, of the Philadelphia Eagles, but uh, we'll be back uh, next week talking more Philly sports, beers, bets, and everything. Uh, but while we're uh, in between that, why don't you check us out on social media? We have the Facebook page uh, on a couch in Delco. We're also on Twitter at on Delco and live uh, tweeting games on Twitter as much live as tweeting can. flyers games uh, all the time. So definitely watch the flyers along with us as we uh, hopefully they, they pick up the defense a, a little bit against uh, the Bruins. Uh, that's games tonight, right? Yep, they play tonight. Sixers and Flyers both tonight. I think seven o'clock, both of them. So it might be seven thirty. Sixers, seven o'clock. Flyers. All right. So definitely give us the reviews if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you're listening to us at. Uh, definitely hit us with the reviews, or, or just tell us how we're doing, or if you have beer recommendations, tell us how terrible uh, our, our bets are. I think we got some winners uh, this week. You know, yeah. Definitely uh, interact with us, and thanks for listening. Uh, And we'll check you out next time. And as always, go birds.